Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise the Lord. James chapter 1, verse 17 such a comforting scripture. James chapter 1 verse 17 says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Hallelujah. I want to focus on this aspect of God. God being our heavenly Father, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What does that mean to us? That God, there's no shadow of turning in Him. Let me read a few different translations. The Weiss translation says, there is no shadow, no shadow is cast by the motion of turning. No shadow is cast by the motion of turning. The voice translation says, He is consistent. He won't change. He won't change His mind or play tricks in the shadows. The Bible in basic English says, With whom there is no change. With whom there is no change. And then the Weymouth, the Weymouth says, Not the slightest suggestion of change. Not the slightest suggestion of change. And then finally, God's Word says, the Father doesn't change like the shifting shadows. The Father doesn't change. There is no variableness, no changing, no shadow of turning. In other words, from every angle, He's light. From every angle, He's light. There's no dark side of God. Amen. There's no evil side of God. There's no wishy-washiness in His character. You're not going to catch God with a bad hair day. Amen. He's good all the time. All the time God is good. I mean, that's important. There's a lot of people who don't know that. There are a lot of people who are, are confused about that truth that God is good all the time. They think sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. They think that God will bring difficulties into their life and and use those difficulties, that God authors destructions and God authors tragedies and God authors those things to teach them and to bring them closer to God. That's someone who thinks there's a a turning in him, a variableness in him. And that person is going to have an inaccurate interaction with God. They're not going to have the capacity to receive from Him at the level of the person who knows God's character, who knows God is stable, who knows God by His Word. And so some people develop those ideas through wrong teaching. Some people develop those ideas through trying to figure out their circumstances 
and they want to know God by the circumstance and they say, well, God must have let it happen. And so God must have wanted this to happen so that this would happen. They, God must have wanted me to have that car wreck so that I would be in the hospital bed next to so-and-so to witness to them. Or God wanted that person to experience that so that they would uh, come back to him. And that makes me think of a story that Charles Capps told about a true story of a father who would take his son every time they would hear the fire truck go out on a fire call. The, the dad, if they were available, they would put the son, he would say, come on, let's go watch the fireman. And he, the little boy was young. And after a few times of following the fire truck and watching the firemen put the fire out, the little boy asked the dad, Dad, why is this big red truck going around town starting fires all over town? He just assumed that since it was a fire and every time the fire occurred, the red truck was there, that it was the red truck causing the fire so that it could put the fire out. And a lot of people see God come to the rescue and because God was there to rescue, when they called on God in 911, God showed up and rescued and then they just assumed God sent the tragedy so I would call 911 and get his help. Do you see the, the lack of knowledge that causes people to accept that wrong thinking and in accepting that wrong thinking they have an image of God and an interaction with God that's not based on the word. But we see that there is no shadow of turning in God, that he is stable. God is stable and he is our refuge. Go with me to Psalm 62. Psalm chapter 62. I want to look at verse 2 to begin with. Because what I want us to recognize is God as a stable refuge for our life. That our life is not supposed to be up and down, here and there, in and out. That our life is not supposed to be a series of, of chaos after chaos after chaos. But that God desires to bring His stability into our lives so that He is our refuge. And then we begin to build our life upon His stability. And Psalm 62 verse 2 says, He only is my rock and my salvation. God only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. The center column reference, the marginal reference in my Bible says high place. He only is my defense, my high place. I shall not be greatly moved. Hallelujah. This is what God wants in your heart and my heart as a continual declaration. He wants us to be so confident in His keeping ability, in His protecting ability, in His promoting ability that we are not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we feel. We're not moved by how it looks. We're not moved by the circumstance, by the situation. We're not moved by whatever fluctuations in the world's economy. We're not moved by whatever CNN is promoting or, or uh, ABC or CBS. Or We're not moved by anything else except by the Word of God. And the Word of God doesn't move us. It establishes us. He is our defense. 
He is our strong tower. Look at verse 6. It says, He only is my rock. He only is my rock and my salvation. Again, He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge. This word refuge is a word that is oftentimes defined or translated as stronghold. God is a refuge. God is a stronghold. He wants you to know Him as your stronghold. He wants you to establish Him as your refuge. He's the one you trust in. He's the one who's going to keep you. He's the one who's going to protect you. He wants you to know that the covenant you have with God is based on better promises than the covenant that the children of Israel were receiving from when God kept light in Goshen while it was so dark in Egypt they couldn't see. While God protected them from the frogs and protected them from all of the plagues, there was water to drink for the Egyptians, there was supply for the, for, I mean, for the Israelites, there, there was a supply of light, there was a supply of protection for the Israelites. While the Egyptians didn't have any hope, they had a refuge. God wants you to know Him as that refuge. And it is something that we have to determine. We have to set that as our objective. And then we have to begin uh, working on that with our daily interaction with Him. So that we develop this security in God. That we develop knowing Him as our refuge. Nahum 1.7 Nahum 1.7 also uses this phrase. Hallelujah. Nahum 1.7 refers to the Lord as our refuge, our stronghold. It says the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. A stronghold in the day of trouble. A stronghold in the day of trouble. You want to know your way to the stronghold before the day of trouble comes. You want to have established Him as a stronghold before any adversity appears. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows them that trust in Him. Now, our previous text, and you'll find it mirrored throughout many scriptures, our previous text said, trust in the Lord. Trust in Him, O ye His people. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. Because trust is a connection to God. Trust is that open door for Him to minister His protection to us. So it says, He knows them that trust in Him. Hallelujah. He is a stronghold. Now, because God is a stronghold, there's no variableness in Him. There's no shadow of turning. There's no instability in God. He wants to take His stability and His establishing 
power and bring it into your life so that you become an immovable saint. So that you become so grounded and rooted in the love that God has for you and so grounded in the word of God, so established in the word that you are not tossed to and fro, that you are not moved by the circumstances or situations, but that you remain stable even in times that are not. And so he provides us his word. He provides us his word to establish our lives in his refuge. He gives us his word so that we can take his word and build it into our lives until we are living out the word of God. We are living in the word and the word is living in us. And so the word in us is what provides that stability or that unchangeableness and that protection and establishing in our life. Psalm chapter 119, he is referring to his word and the stability that his word provides. And he tells us in Psalm 119 and verse 89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The word is already settled. The word is established. It is, that word settled is a word that would also be established or it, is, it has its foundations. So when we accept the word of God and we begin to interact with the word on a daily basis, we are interacting with something that is eternally founded. We are bringing into our heart and into our mouth something that is eternally established. Hallelujah. And then we're applying it. We're being doers of it and we're applying that established word into our life and it causes our life to be established. It causes our life to be secure, to be safe, to be, to be uh, rooted. It says in Matthew 24, and this is just one of the references for this scripture because it is uh, uh, also identified in other places, but we'll look specifically at 2435. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Well, I, I, I expect to see the moon or the stars when I look out my window at night. I expect when I look out in the morning to see a blue sky I hope to see a blue sky. Sometimes it's a cloudy sky, but mostly blue, right? I hope to see the sky above my head and the earth beneath my feet. I expect it, but he said there will come a time because these are not founded. These are not founded. These are things we can see. These are things that we are, uh, are building certain natural things upon, but they're not eternal. The heaven and earth shall pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away. So I don't want to just put all my hope in those natural, seen, temporal things. He says, my words shall not pass away. God's words are eternal. They are eternal. His word is eternal. And so if I build my life on his word, 
then I am building my life in a place, a spiritual geographical location of the Word of God that has greater solidity than the sky above my head or the earth beneath my feet. It has a greater um, capacity or a longevity than those things. It is eternal. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. Isaiah 40 and verse 8. Hallelujah. We're looking at the unchangeableness of God and he has placed his unchangeableness in his word so he could distribute it to us. He said the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The word of our God shall stand forever. So God's not changeable. God is, is not uh, shifting. God is not unstable God, or unstable. God is established. And then he put that in his word. His word is established. And he's provided his word so that we could live by it. So that we could use his word to bring his unchangeable, established stable life into being in our, in our family, in our life. Amen? Amen? So he's given us of this word to establish. The word establish. The word establish means to set or fix firmly. To set or fix firmly. Unalterably. To settle permanently. To settle permanently. Hallelujah. So he desires for our lives to be established and he provides his word to make that. To provide that in our life. Luke chapter 6. Hallelujah. Jesus taught this same truth using... A very clear illustration. Verse 47 of Luke 6. He said, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. So now we are recognizing an instruction, a pattern, a template if you will, he said, here's my sayings and does them. Here's my sayings. John 6 and verse 63, Jesus said, My words are spirit and they are life. My words are not just human words. My words are spirit and they are life. God said in Isaiah 55, He said, My word will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I send it to do. God said, my word, he said, my word will not return to me empty. It will not return empty. Why? Because it didn't go out empty. Every word of God is full of power. Every word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the Bible says the word of God is energizing. It's active, energizing. It's alive. 
Every word of God is full of creative power. Every word that God speaks is full. And he said, every word that I speak is productive. It will accomplish. And how does he get his will done? He said, it will accomplish what I please, what I want. So what God wants, he puts it in his word and he sends his word. He sends his word to get done what he wants. Amen? Hallelujah. He said, my word will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish. So there is, there is power in the word to accomplish the will of God. And then he said, it will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. It will prosper. And that word prosper means push forward. It means break it down. It means come mightily against. So the word of God is what he has provided for us to come against and, and, and push away those hindrances and those things from the curse. He wants us to take his word and use his word to establish our lives and to defend our lives from the things of this world or from the curse that's operative in this world or from the enemy. Amen? So he said, my word will accomplish what I want it to accomplish. It will, uh, it will accomplish my will. He said, my word will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Notice the sending of the word. Notice the application of the word. So Jesus said, hearing and doing is how we bring that word of God into a place where it can operate in our life. Hearing and doing, not just hearing. We can get really skilled at hearing and miss the doing. It's possible. We've all done it where we've heard it and we've heard it and we've heard it, but we haven't taken that step to act on it. There was a man in the book of Acts who was listening to Paul preach. He heard Paul preach to the point that he had faith to be healed. But if Paul had not have been sensitive to the Spirit to look at that man and to recognize this man has faith to be healed and he spoke to him a, a command for him to act on. Because he had been hearing, but he hadn't acted on what he had heard yet. Faith came, but he needed to act on that faith. Glory to God. And so Jesus said hearing and doing. Jesus said hearing and doing establishes his word in our life. So we've got to become proficient, not just in the hearing. And we do, hearing is important and we emphasize it. We're a faith-building church. We emphasize, emphasize the hearing of the word because faith comes by hearing. And the sower, the parable of the sower says, the sower sowed the word and sowed the word and these are they which heard and these are they which heard and these are they which heard. They all heard the word, amen? So the hearing is important. But the doing of the word, the acting, the living and putting it to work and making it what we stand on, the establishing of the word in our life is by the doing of what we hear. We hear it to receive it and get it in our heart in a, in a flow of faith so that flow of faith can then be applied to our situation by the speaking it forth or by the acting upon it, by the forgiving those who have done uh, aught against us, by, by uh, um, uh, casting our care upon the Lord. Those are doings of the word. You can hear that and then hold on to your worry. And hold on to your care. And you can hear it and not be a doer of it. Amen. 
So being a doer of it is to cast that care. Being a doer of the word is to forgive if you have ought against any. Amen? Those are things that are the doings of the word of God, not just the hearings, but the doings of the word of God. So we want to become proficient in both so that we are hearing and doing because this is how we're going to establish the word in our life. That's what we want. We want to develop a stronghold of the word. God is a refuge. He's a stronghold for us. And we want to develop his strongholds in our life. We want to have a stronghold of healing in our life. We want to have a stronghold of faith in our life. We want to have a stronghold of love in our life. Amen? Because those are refuges. Those are safeties for us. Those are establishings of the Lord in our life. And it's not something that you can do in one hearing. It's something that is applied throughout our lives of hearing the word, continuing in the word, and letting the word abide in us. Amen? Lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you for the word. Thank you, Lord, for the stronghold of your word that establishes us. We're established in the word of God. We're kept by that word. We are secure in that word. Amen? Praise God. So, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what we're working on. A stronghold of the word. God is a stronghold. And how is he going to get the stronghold into our life? He's going to establish a stronghold of his keeping power by helping us be doers of the word. He doesn't want us just to be weak victims who are always in need of him to rescue us. He doesn't want us to be, you know, like, oh, Lord, 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 help me, help me, help me. And, you know, that what was the cartoon that always had the girl on the tra uh, uh, train tracks uh, calling for the hero to come rescue her from the train tracks? And, no, God doesn't want us to be constantly victim, weak victims to the enemy where we are always needing him to... He wants us to live victory. Jesus made us more than conquerors. He made us overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. We've got to establish that victory in our life and walk it out. So God doesn't want us to be that weak victim always having to call upon Him to rescue us because the enemy's got us tied up on the train track again. He wants us to take His Word and establish the overcoming, establish the health stronghold, establish the prospering stronghold, establish the blessing in our life and get those things established so that we are constantly living in the victory that he, is, that he established in Christ for us. And he said here in Luke chapter 6 and verse 47 how we can do it, how we can be those people who are established he said again in verse 47, Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep. Now hear me. Our life is this house. We are every day as we interact with the Lord and fellowship with his word, we are building a house. Working on a building, working on a building, working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. 
We're working on something. We, and so we need to come at this. If, if, if a person approaches their time in the Word as a, an, a clocking in and fulfilling of requirement, they're going to miss the flow of faith and victory and joy that comes from our time in the Word. This is our delight. This is our delight to fellowship with the one who knows everything. To fellowship with his wisdom. To fellowship with his, his encouragement and his inspiration for our life. And so as we go to the word and we're spending time in the word, we've got to be looking at the, the big picture of what God wants for our life. I remember uh, coming to a place where I said, wait a minute. Why would I wait until I'm 70 to start telling my body what it's going to do when I'm 70? Why don't I go ahead and tell my body now and set the course? Because my tongue is like the rudder of a ship. My tongue is like the bit in the mouth of the horse. And it says if I can control my tongue, I can turn my whole body. So why don't I just go ahead and put long life in my mouth? Why don't I go ahead and put... Uh, the health of my bones in my mouth. Why don't I go ahead and call from the beginning how I'm going to be that I'm going to live a long, 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 satisfying life. Not a long, miserable life. Not a long life having being in debt for medical expenses, but a long, satisfying life. Amen? And, and why? Because... This is establishing something and setting the course for it. So my time in the Word is not just for today. This is what I'm trying to bring to our attention. Our time in the Word, we, we're taking the Word and we're sowing seed into our heart. We're planting into our heart because there are things that we need to reap in a year. There are things we're going to need to reap five years from now. There are things we can go ahead and put in the ground for 20 years down the road. Amen? Amen? And start looking at our time in the Word with a, a building my house mindset. Preparing my future mindset. It says, he's like a man which built a house. So the hearing and doing of the Word is building my life. Like a person builds their house. It's building my life to hear and to do the Word. It says, it's like a man who built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And it would be inappropriate for us to just assume that everything we came into this relationship with God with needed to stay with us. When we came into this relationship with God, many of us had a lot of stuff we need to let go. We need to let it go. It is not foundational truth. It is not foundational material. And we don't want to build our marriage on it. We don't want to build our finances on it. We don't want to build uh, 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 anything because we want these eternal substances to be the foundation of the life that we are every day putting into place. We're building our lives, but we're not building our lives for today. We're building to live out the purpose and the plan of God 
so that we walk in the victory of God for the rest of our lives. We walk in the peace of God for the rest of our lives. So we're going to find the foundational material that we need to begin establishing our life on the Word of God. Amen? So he says here that it's laying the foundation on a rock. Laying the foundation on a rock. Well, how is that important? What is important about that? He said that if we lay the foundation upon the rock, when the flood arises, the stream beats vehemently upon that house. It cannot shake it if it's on the right foundation. Amen. The flood, the, the flood could not shake the house. The stream could not shake the house. It says in verse 49 that there was one who heard the word but did not act on the word. He that hears and doeth not is like the man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth which when the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Hallelujah. So the only difference between the two outcomes is the foundation. It was the same storm. It was the same stream. It was the same obstacles. It was the same adversity. The adversity that came against one immediately defeated that one. But the adversity that came against the one who had built their life on hearing and doing the word of God, they were established. They had a refuge. They had a stronghold. And it wasn't their character or their personality as much as it was God's word that provided them the stability in their life. I mean, any character we have comes from God. So you see what I'm saying. It's our character. It's not just because this person's personality or a great luck. It's because this person acted on something that's eternal, something that's not movable. God's not movable. He's not changeable. Our adversity is not going to move him. He doesn't want us to move us either. He doesn't want the adversity to move us, but the only way for us to become people who are not moved by the adversity is for us to take his word and build a stronghold of his word in our life, to establish our word, James, our, our lives upon his word. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We were there earlier, but let's look in a different place in this chapter. James chapter 1. I want to look at verse 22. But be ye doers of the word. Doers of the word and not hearers only. Well, we just saw Jesus explain what happens to the hearers only category. They heard the same word, but their lack of doing or acting on that word kept them from having the foundation of that word in their life. So he says here in James 1.22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Not hearers only. And then he takes the next two verses and he talks about what happens when we are hearers only. If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. 
for he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. This is a great description of mental ascent. Mental ascent is when a person knows what the Bible teaches, but they're not acting on it. They're not, it's not motivating their decisions. It's not motivating their choices. It's not the basis of their, their direction in life. And it's possible through the hearing to come to a place where you think that's it. I've heard it. I've heard it and now I know it. But that's not the establishing of the foundation. It's the beginning of the establishing of the foundation, but it's not the following through. He said we've got to be doers of what we've heard. We've got to act on the word. So it's possible for someone to say, I know that Jesus taught in Mark chapter 11 that if you have ought against any to drop it, leave it, let it go, to forgive that person so that your Father in heaven can forgive you. And they know that if they hear a good sermon on forgiveness, they'll shake their head and say, Amen. Amen. Glow, Amen. Right? But then, isn't that how we, that's how we say it here now. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But then when the opportunity comes up two days later to forgive cousin so-and-so who stole some inheritance from their, their uncle's mama or whatever, and they say, I'm not forgiving them. I wouldn't let them come to Thanksgiving at my house. They're not coming to the birthday party. We're not going to invite them to the graduation. No! And they're going to hold on to that unforgiveness. They don't even put it in the same category. They were amening. Because they heard the word about that, but they didn't take that word and search their heart and say, is there anybody I'm holding on against? Is there, can I do that? Can I do that? Now, now here, here, here in my heart, sometimes we hear pastor preach something and we think he's, 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 got, he's out to get us. <laughs> we think all oh, pastors preaching about them. Now that's, it's good for us to hear the sermon and to check our heart and find out, am I doing that? Amen? It's good for us. But don't get over into a ditch about that either. Don't get into a ditch because there are sometimes pastors dealing with things overall. When we feed a lot of times, we don't know who that was aimed at. We're just bringing up what is in the heart to minister what comes up by the Spirit. And so uh, we want to uh, look for in our own life and, and, and be yielded enough to say, if I need to work on that, I want to work on that. Amen? So he says, be doers of the Word. Don't be the hearer who looks and mentally assents to that truth but then never brings it into their own uh, investigation and applies it to their life. But verse 25, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein. So this is looking into and continuing to look into. This is 
a abiding in. Jesus in John chapter 15, we talked about that in corporate prayer this morning. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. He said in another place in, in John, he said, I am the vine. You're the branches. And, and you've got to, the abiding in the vine is what connects us to the overcoming life of the vine. The, the healing of the vine and the victory of the vine. Amen? That abiding in the vine. And how do we abide in the vine? He said, abide in my word and my word abides in you. That's how we abide in the vine. It's an interaction with the word of God. And he said, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues looking, continues therein. Hallelujah. Looking into the perfect law of liberty is not a glance. It's not a casual glance. It is, it is a searching of the word. It is a feeding of the word. It is a fellowship with the word. This word is alive. This is not dead letter. This is not religious uh, uh, do's and don'ts. This is God's love letter to us. This is God's victory instruction to us. This is, this is eternal food. This is, etern this is eternal bread. Hallelujah. His word is the, the, the nutrition for our spirit. Your physical body feeds on physical food to get physical energy. Your intellect feeds on information to get intellectual uh, strength. Your spirit feeds on the Word of God to get spiritual strength, to get spiritual nutrition flowing through your spirit. This is how you grow, to desire the sincere milk of the Word so that you may grow thereby. And to continue in that word until you're able to eat meat. Until you're able to, to, to fellowship with the word of God in, in greater understandings. In greater comprehensions. Hallelujah. So he says that looking into the word of God, continuing therein, will cause us to not be a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. A doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed or in his doing. One translation says prospered spiritually in his doing. I believe that's the Weiss translation. Prospered spiritually in his doing. That's what we're after today. We're after some spiritual pros prospering. Some spiritual progress. That's what we want. We want to establish our lives so spiritually that there are natural circumstances that, that we can't walk through. God will be there. there. I'm not saying that you will never have an adversity, but I'm saying you'll never have an adversity that will overcome you, that will take you out, that will take you under, because God will provide. Remember, the storm beat vehemently. The, the flood came against the house, but it did not move the house. It did not destroy the house. The house stood. The other house fell and it says great was the fall of it. I like to say our houses stand and great is the stand of it. Great is the stand of your house. Great is the prospering of your life. Great is the... And, and, and that's why when we make that commitment 
to be doers of the Word of God, to be acting on the Word of God, to be applying the Word of God, not just in the hearing of it, but in the doing of it, then it will establish. And I want to give you today the number one predominant method of doing the Word. The predominant way that we as believers do the Word. How do we do the Word? Well, we can. I know how to do the Word about forgiveness. I forgive. I know how to do the Word about bringing all the tithe into the offering. I, I obey in, in bringing that t- cheerfully and with honor to God. I know how to obey God, but there are other places in Scripture like how do I obey that? How do I act on that? How, what do I do about that? And one of the greatest things for us to understand is how God did the Word. How does God do His Word? Is God a doer of His Word? Amen? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, God acted. God did some things, didn't He? God did some things to create the earth, and how did He do it? He spoke it. He used His mouth. And God was a doer of creation with His words. And so because he created us in his image and in his likeness, one of the greatest methods of doing the word is to employ your mouth. We've got to speak the word out of our heart. We've got to get it in our heart in an abundant form until it is abundantly in our heart and then speak what is abundantly in our heart out of our mouth. And so the doing of the word is putting it in the heart and in the mouth. The doing of the word, that's one of the main ways we're going to bring the word into manifestation and establish it in our life. To establish the promise of long life, you're going to have to have it in your heart and in your mouth. You, it, having it in your mind, knowing where to find it in the scripture is not going to help you as much as having it in your heart and in your mouth. Having it in your heart that with long life God satisfies me. You know, to get to that, he's going to have to protect you from all of the car wrecks that the enemy would try to bring your way. For, for him to bring you to a place where long life, he satisfies you. He's going to have to keep you from dying with any virus. With any disease. He's going to have to keep you from all those diseases. All the, all the sicknesses. He's going to have to protect you to get you to the place where long life, he satisfies you. Well, for it to be employed in your life, for that scripture to be applied to your life, it has to be spiritually applied. It is not automatic because you own a Bible. And it's not automatic because you gave your life to Jesus. It is automatically in your account but it's not automatically in manifestation in your life until you believe and speak it. He said in Romans chapter 10, this is the righteousness which is of faith, says don't say God needs to come down or Jesus needs to be raised up. Don't say the righteousness which is of faith would say the word is near me. Even in my mouth and in my heart, the word is near me. So when I know who I am in Christ, that's the righteousness which is of faith. When I know who I am in Christ, I say, I got the, I got the scripture, long life, he satisfies me. Amen. 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 Where does it need to be? In my Bible? No. God's watching over his word, but not the word that's in the pages, the word that's in your heart and in your mouth. Amen. He's watching over his word to perform what you're believing 
to perform. So for us to establish the Word of God, for us to develop a, a, a stronghold of healing, a stronghold of protection, a stronghold of overcoming, a stronghold of prosperity, a stronghold. These are all strongholds God wants you to have. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to pull down the strongholds that the enemy builds, but he also is established for us to have strongholds that his word builds in our life. We should have a stronghold of healing. We should. We should have a stronghold. We should take the time to establish 1 Peter 2, 24 and Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 and Matthew 8, verse 17 in our lives to the point that we cannot be moved off of those scriptures. That nothing, no symptom, no, 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 no uh, uh, plague, nothing. A thousand shall fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not. How do you get to that point? You have a stronghold that he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him do I trust. Establishing the stronghold with the mouth. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. What are we saying of the Lord? What have we said? What have you said of the Lord? Have you said he is your ever-present help in time of trouble? No weapon formed. We should have that one in our mouth. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. Hallelujah. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. Hallelujah. Establish it. Establish a stronghold of that confidence and a stronghold of that trust. Glory to God. That's what God desires for us. He wants us to be certain about it. He wants us to know that we know that we know that we know. He wants it not just to be something that's mentally uh, approved, but that it is, it is established in the heart. Established in the heart. There's a faith for it there. Amen? A faith for it in the heart. That's what God desires. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm going to tell on pastor. We, in driving through the streets of Little Rock, Arkansas, <laughs> pastor would say, my goodness, these people don't know how to drive. What's the matter with all these? And the more he talked about it, the more he complained about those Little Rock drivers, there were, I mean, supernatural opportunities of people I mean it was like it became a he became a magnet for every bad driver in Little Rock the more he talked about it the more they were just in his way and I was with him and I'm, they would they pull right out in front of him and turn across the lane right in front of our car and then, and I said to him one day I said we've got to get something in our mouth about this and, we, and, and he actually went back to something that he used to proclaim out of, I, I think it's in one of uh, the creative, God's creative power from Charles Katz. He started saying, uh, in my pathway there's life and there is no death. Amen. Which is a scripture from the book of Psalms. In my pathway there's life. Amen. And I want you to know, I rejoice in the Lord that God changed what he was saying. And whenever he has the opportunity to complain about the drivers, 
Instead, he says, in my pathway is life. He was driving up last weekend, and he came out of the tunnel. It was raining, and there's a tunnel that you go through in the mountain range there. And he said, when I came out of that tunnel, it was foggy, and the roads were wet. And he said, before I even had time to see them, there was a car that had lost control and turned in and was sitting in my lane. And he said, I, I didn't even have time to see them and think about it. I just suddenly went over into the other lane and praise God, there wasn't anybody in that other lane because that was his only option at that moment. And on both sides is, is valley. I mean, it's, in, it's on that mountain rock. And all I could think of is how he has, over the last few months, been saying, in my pathway, there's life. In my pathway, there's life. In my pathway, there's life. And, you know, it's, it is so tricky of the enemy to put something in, in uh, to offer us something to say that we think, well, that's not bad. I'm just acknowledging how bad the drivers are here. <laughs> I'm just acknowledging. But in that acknowledging is an authorization. And in that acknowledging can be an open door that you didn't even think about. And so that's why we've got, we, we have to use our words wisely. And we have to use our words for what we want and not just to uh, declare what we have. Not to just acknowledge what we have, but the Bible says that our faith is made more effective, Philemon 1. Our faith is made more effective as we acknowledge every good thing that is ours in Christ. So when we acknowledge long life, when we acknowledge blessed is the memory of the just, when we acknowledge no weapon formed against me, we're establishing Something that is ours in Christ. Something, it's not, it's not make-believe, it's not I hope so. It is authorized to be mine, but I have to give it operation in my life with my mouth and my heart. Amen? Amen? So establishing ourselves on the Word of God is building a stronghold of the Word in our life. A stronghold of the Word. And a stronghold means like a, a castle that you can run into and the enemy can't penetrate. He can't get in. So, na-na-na-boo-boo. -boo. You can sit out there and you can threaten me all you want, but I am inside 1 Peter 2.24. I'm abiding in 1 Peter 2.24 and 1 Peter 2.24 abides in me and I have a stronghold. Amen. I have a stronghold. Himself took my infirmities and carried away my sicknesses. Hallelujah. I have a stronghold of that. I have a stronghold of, of the blessing in my life. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir. Hallelujah, I know what is the exceeding riches of His glory and the inheritance of the saints. You ought to say that. Just go ahead and say you know it, even if your head doesn't know it yet. Your spirit will begin to search and find out. I know what is that uh, exceeding greatness of His riches towards us. Is that what the, it's the will of God for us to know it because He put it in Ephesians as a prayer 
that, that, that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of the riches of the inheritance of the saints in light. So just go ahead and say, I know it in Jesus' name. I know what is the exceeding greatness of the riches of the glory. Hallelujah. 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 Establish a stronghold of the word. It's something that we have to do every day. Every day that we're hearing and doing the word, we're building our house. We're building our life. We're building our life. Hallelujah. 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 Hebrews chapter 1, and we'll close right here. Hebrews chapter 1. In this scripture is speaking of Jesus. Hebrews 1 and verse 3. Being the brightness of God's glory, His glory. Being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of His person. The express image of the person of God. And upholding all things by the word of His power. Upholding all things by the word. Upholding is a word that means sustain, guide, or propel. The Weiss translation, the Amplified, have those in them sustaining, guiding, propelling. So today, the earth is orbiting on the axis and turning on its axis because God's word is sustaining it. Light, we have light because God's word is sustaining it. Sustaining and propelling and guiding. So there are specific directions that the orbit makes that the currents in the ocean and the t- are co- by the tides and the, the tides uh, being directed by the moon and the gravity and all these different things, all of that is by God's word. Amen. God directed it. And he wants us to take his word and guide some things in our life. Amen. You can turn it like you turn a horse. He said it in James. He said... The, the, the word in the mouth, the tongue, has the power to turn your body like you can, a bit in the mouth of a horse will turn the horse. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn it. Turn it. Sustain some things in your life. Sustain. Declare how it's going to be. Don't listen to the circumstance tell you how it's going to end. You tell the direction. You tell the direction. You tell the direction. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not going under. I'm going over. I'm the head. I'm the head. Hallelujah. Now, you can't control what other people do, but you can control how God keeps you. You can't use this to, to force because other people have their will. God's not even going to force them. But you can, you can say how it's going to be for you. 
You can say how it's going to be for you. I will prosper. I am stable. My life is stable. I'm not the victim. I'm the overcomer. I'm the one acting on the word here. I'm the overcomer. I'm the, act, I'm the one acting on the word. I'm the overcomer. And for me, it will go well. He said, didn't that what he said? He said, I want you to observe to do all this that I've commanded you to do so that it can go well for you. So you know what you say? It goes well for me. It goes well for me. I'm acting on the word. I'm a doer of the word. It's going well for me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ashante a lay lea moloma esendiamoka davram rende oro esavraba eleria vatumaroba kashatambahai. And it is line upon line, and it is precept upon precept. It is here a little and there a little. It is a continuation of acting on and being a doer of the Word of God. But the outcome is worth what it takes in the doing. And the result of your life is worth the time and the effort and the attention and the uh, interaction with my word that you give it. So lift up now your eyes. Lift your eyes and look beyond the momentary and look beyond the situation and look beyond uh, the temporary and begin to see the, the scheme and the plan and the greatness of what I have in store for you. And begin to pull out of my word seeds that will promote your prosperity. Put them in your heart and in your mouth and speak in line with my word and see my word grow and see my word flourish and see my word turn your life into heaven on earth. Hallelujah. 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 Say shokadabako, say eshekontama. I desire for the light of my word to break forth, to cause your life to be so bright and to cause your future to be so bright and to cause a clarity of what I have designed for your life to be in place to the point that there is no circumstance or situation that can dampen your enthusiasm. That there is no circumstance or situation that can steal from you the expectation and the joy of what I have revealed to 
unto you and what I have spoken unto you because the days of head are days of light and they are days of victory and they are days of overcoming for my people and they are days of experiencing my goodness and put in your mouth and declare out of your heart, I expect to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I have believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because that is my desire for every day from this day forward. Woo! Woo! Hallelujah! Woo! Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah. Stand to your feet and lift your hands and say, I'm overcomer. The light of God's Word shines upon my path. My path grows brighter and brighter. Hallelujah. 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 Right now, I just want to give you the opportunity... If there is whatever, whatever heavy load you walked in here with, it's time to drop it. It's trying to give it to the Lord. It's time to cast your care upon the Lord. Whatever heavy load. Right now, just lift your hand to the Lord and say, Father, I cast all my care upon you. You You care for me. me. I do not not allow allow care, care, worry, worry, anxiety anxiety in my life life. because your peace peace governs me. me. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.